Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Advantage. I'm your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Monday, May 1st, and on today's episode, we are doing a full slate breakdown through every NBA playoff game we currently have odds for. Now, like I've been doing on the recent slate breakdowns, I'm going to be doing this one in reverse chronological order. I'm going to go through the Tuesday, May 2nd games first and then come back and work to the games tonight. The reason I'm doing that and this one's actually on me today. I got a late start to my day, had an early doctor's appointment. And for that reason, I don't think this episode is going to be posted until later in the afternoon on Monday when the games are just going to be pretty close to tip off. So for that reason, I suspect most people will be listening to this episode on Tuesday. So let's go through the Tuesday games first. Of course, if you are a very loyal listener of The Advantage and you happen to be listening to this pod right when it drops, thank you very much. We will still be covering the Monday games towards the back end of the episode. So before we get started on the slate breakdown, let me remind you guys, as always, to follow me on Twitter at mfiddle14, to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast platform you're listening to, and to join the Sports Ethos Wager Pass and Discord channel for all of my picks, write-ups, and for access to a bunch of other handicappers who cover the other sports that I do not. So, Let's begin with game one in the Bay, Lakers at Warriors. Line opens at Lakers plus four for game one on DraftKings. Quickly ticks to Lakers plus 4.5. FanDuel was stalling to open up a line and first drops it at Lakers plus five, juiced to minus 114. So let's talk about where the five is and the odds are first. I jumped in on the Lakers plus five as a best bet. I'll give out the reasoning in two seconds. But I want to explain that the key number of the five, we know that the five is the second most common outcome in NBA games, and it is the most common spread that results in a push. Because we have, even though seven is the most common outcome of NBA games, we have a lot more volume of spreads that are five as opposed to seven. So five happens to be the most frequent push number. And the second most common outcome. So seeing this line at plus 4.5 on DraftKings versus plus 5 on FanDuel, even though it's juiced to minus 114 and you're paying an extra 4 cents on the dollar, it is worth it to get onto that key number. On the flip side, if you were a Warriors backer, the Warriors minus 5 at FanDuel is a minus 106. I would rather play the minus 4.5 at DraftKings for minus 110. In both instances, you're paying four cents on the dollar to get onto or off of a very key number. So if you're on the underdog, which I am on the Lakers, you want the plus five. If you're on the favorite, you want the minus 4.5 so that if this game ends in a five, the Lakers ticket would push, the Golden State Warriors ticket would win outright, and neither of these results in a loss based on where the numbers are on the board. So that's the first thing I want to hit. The second thing I want to hit is the reasoning for this bet. The reason to place Lakers game one is because of rest advantage. We infrequently can bet rest advantage in the NBA playoffs because once the series start, both teams that are playing each other have the same rest and travel schedule, right? So after Lakers-Warriors, they go to game two. Their previous game was Lakers-Warriors game one. When they go to game three, their previous game was Lakers-Warriors game two. They're both working off the same previous game. You might have a change in home court. You might have a matchup advantage you want to exploit. You might have a key injury that happens. But for the most part, 
we love to play into rest advantage in NBA games, and it's rarely presented to us in the playoffs, except for here in a game one situation where the LA Lakers closed out the Grizzlies in six in LA. Remember, they were the underdog in that series, so they had a home game six as the seventh seed. They closed that out at home in LA. Warriors, who were also the underdog, they were the lower seed, even though they were the betting favorite, so we could have a semantics discussion about what the underdog technically is. That's not the point today. But they were the lower seed in that contest. So they also had a home game six. They had a chance to close out the series. They end up losing that, have to go back on the road to Sacramento. Now, I understand the road trip from Golden State Warriors in San Francisco to the Sacramento Kings is literally a 45-minute bus ride. But it's still a road game. It's still going into the lion's den. It still requires staying in a hotel the night before, doing the same protocols that a road game coincides with. It's not staying at home and going to the team practice facility for shoot around in the morning. That is not how the Warriors handled it, even though it was basically a subway series. So for this game, I think there's a big advantage Lakers that they closed out the game in LA. They had extra rest. And their travel is also a short trip just up to North Cali. Lakers in SoCal, your boy Mike Fiddle also in SoCal, Golden State Warriors in North Cali. So Lakers will take that short flight up to San Francisco and take on the Warriors. I love the Lakers in this spot because of the rest advantage. And I think the tired legs, the old legs that are very present in this series on both sides of the court means that rest is going to loom large and that King James knows coming into this series, if he has a game one rest advantage and doesn't have home court advantage through the series, this is the one you steal. Let's just hope that if LeBron is absolutely crushing it and he's on the road in a game one in Golden State, one of his teammates doesn't realize to shoot the ball because the game's not uh, winning, but they're tied. I'm trying to invoke that J.R. Smith, but I, I got my work minced up. I hope no one J.R. Smith is this and, you know, catches the free throw rebound and decides to run out the clock instead of putting up another shot because J.R., the game was tied. You weren't winning. Okay, that's a story for another day. Let's talk about Knicks Heat Game 2. And the real indicators for this Game 2 is that all signs point to Jimmy Buckets being out. Actually, 20-second timeout. I need to rewind and go back to uh, Lakers-Warriors because I got a question from the audience that said, how, do you, how are you viewing this series in determining the legacy narratives of LeBron versus Steph? And to that, I answer, I am not going to overblow it. I am generally not a narratives person at all. I've also seen it with my own eyes for plenty of enough time. LeBron is better than Steph Curry. Even if Steph ends up coming out this with one more ring or beats him in with another with another in another playoff series and has a better playoff record head to head, I don't care. Steph's supporting cast has always been better. Steph's coaching has been more uh, high level. I mean, Steve Kerr's way over Darvin Ham. Spolstra wasn't Eric Spolstra when LeBron was there, and that it was that Heatles team. So I think Curry has had a lot of other massive advantages in terms of longevity and continuity. LeBron is so clearly the better basketball player, it's not even close in my opinion. 
offensively, defensively. Steph's got the three. Steph might have better ball handling skills. But LeBron is who you want in every scenario. So, legacy conversation, short and kind of meaningless to the series. Let's go back to Knicks Heat Game 2 in the Garden. All signs, like I was saying, point to Jimmy Butler being out for this game. Line opens for Game 2 at uh, Knicks minus 4.5. Heat were 4.5 point underdogs. It was a matter of seconds before it went to Knicks minus seven. Massive money has come in on the Knicks. The line has pushed through all the important key numbers. Now sits on the seven. You would think I would maybe go contrarian and bet into the Heat plus seven in this situation. I'm not even going to touch it. I have planning on not touching the spread in this game once I missed the 4.5, the 5, the 5.5, the 6, the 6.5, and now sits all the way at the seven. This just means Jimmy's probably not playing. And if you look at the travel schedules in between this, so you get the one day off in between these games, and then if Jimmy sits this game, there's an extra three-day gap before they go home and go back to Miami. So if you sit Jimmy for one game, he gets like five or six days rest. So I think that is going to be something that the Heat key in on and say, okay, we already took one on the road. We already can walk into that game two post-game press conference and even though we just got crushed in game two, job we did our job here. We took one we took one on the road. We stole home court advantage. Now we go back to our crib in Miami, like come to South Beach. That's that's what we're gonna hear. And I do think the Knicks strongly take this game. With the spread being all the way out to a seven, with uncertainty around Julius Randle still in this series. I'm not going to touch it. I do really like the under in this game. So opens at 210, quickly comes down to 208. I grabbed it at under 208. It's now sitting at 207 or 207 and a half. It's getting into that shaky territory where if you've missed it, it's all the way down to 207. That might be difficult. This is quickly becoming a three-point variance game. If the Heat are without Jimmy Butler, they're going to have to shoot a lot of threes. The Knicks coming off of their uh, game one that actually went over the closing line total of 207.5, the Knicks actually shot horribly. So if the Knicks shoot better and game one went over, would you expect game two to also go over? In these instances, yes, and I'm like talking myself out of it. I still really like the under. I don't think the Heat are going to shoot well. I think the Knicks have the defenders to run them off the three-point line. The Heat's only method is going to be live and die by the three. Let's try and beat them with variance. So I think they're going to end up dying by the three and not scoring a lot of points. On the flip side, I think if the Heat are without Jimmy, they're going to be locked and loaded on defense from the tip. They're going to have to be so in sync. They're going to get a lot of Caleb Martin minutes, a lot of Kyle Lowry trying to draw fouls and get through the lane type of stuff. For those reasons, I expect stingy def defense on both sides of the ball and like the under. So best bet so far, Lakers plus five, Heat Knicks under 208. Let's talk about the Suns versus the Nuggets. In Denver, Monty Williams got the Suns to Denver a few days early, even for game one. So I would expect going into game two, the Suns to be well adjusted. So let's talk about the opening line came out at Suns plus five. We've already talked about how important the spread of five is. First of all, let's just like take a second to realize that we have three of the four games on the board sit at key numbers, right? Denver Phoenix opened at five. 
Heat Knicks is at seven, Lakers Warriors is at five. So those are the two most important numbers in NBA betting. And I'm not surprised at all that three of the four round two playoff games that we have are priced right at those numbers. But let's talk about Suns Nuggets real quick. Like I said, Suns have been in Denver for a few days. They should be well acclimated to the climate. If everyone saw that Kevin Durant, David Letterman interview, you know Kevin Durant is enjoying his days off in Denver. Hey, yo. Okay, so line opens as Suns plus five. I jump in immediately considering the five is a key number. It comes down to Suns plus four and a half, now down to Suns plus four. The early movement was surprisingly reverse line movement. Now there happens to be more money on the Suns in the market. But the early money was on Denver, and it was still coming down to favor the Suns. Like, it was getting harder to bet on the Suns, easier to bet on the Nuggets. The book was lowering their exposure that they were going to take on the Phoenix Suns, even though they were having Denver money come in. So as a Suns backer, this was something that I really, really enjoyed seeing. Um, It's at a plus four now. The splits have somewhat evened out. I like the Suns in this game. I think the Suns are the better team in the series. They just need to get a few feet further back and shoot some more fucking three-pointers. Stop with the long twos and stop mathematically making this so hard on yourself, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Kevin Durant. You guys are elite shooters. Take a few feet back and snipe them from deep. Now let's talk about the total. The total opens as 230 and a half. Like, what the fuck? What a bad total. I was talking in the Discord with some people when this total first dropped. I was like, this looks like a clear underspot. And within a matter of seconds, it had dropped to 228. Like within a matter of seconds. DraftKings moved it to 229. FanDuel moved it to 228. I jumped on it at 229 for the under as my biggest bet of the slate. So I have one and a half units on this under 229 on DraftKings. Now I'm going to check where it is because on FanDuel it's ticked back up to 229. On FanDuel, on DraftKings it stayed at that 229. So the question that I got asked for this, and I think this actually presents a good discussion real quick to talk about handles versus books and understanding why one handle might be a little different, is how was I reacting to placing a big bet on the under 229 when FanDuel went to 228 and now seeing FanDuel come back up to 229. Well, here's my read. I still definitely think I'm on the right side. First of all, I know the pace of these teams, even though they have a very high offensive net rating and they're very efficient teams, they play slow. So even though they went over in game one by I think five points on the closing line, they shot incredibly well. I don't expect them to shoot as efficiently, I expect the Suns to shoot more threes, which should drive up the points, but I don't expect the efficiency to be there, and the pace was just so slow. So this total really should have been closer to like 223, 224, in my opinion, for game one. I was surprised that the total came out higher than the 227 where it was originally at, so now it's sitting at 229. FanDuel was the only line to bring it below that, I think. I think FanDuel was the only line to at least at one point have it at 227. So if FanDuel is having it at 227 while DraftKings has it at 229, then there's people who are in the market who are looking for overs 
who are only going to go to FanDuel. And there's people who are looking for unders who would never consider going to FanDuel. The only people betting FanDuel unders on the 227 are people who only have a FanDuel account and don't have the wherewithal to line shop and to check what a different book is, right? And those bettors aren't the ones who are moving numbers and placing enough money on NBA totals for it to matter. Because I've talked about this before. NBA totals are not a public bet. And if you look at who's going to have only one account at one sportsbook and only have FanDuel, it's going to be someone who has a public mindset and a public approach to sports betting who can't open up multiple ways for them to line shop. It's absolutely brain dead to only have access to one book. It becomes way, 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 way harder to win. So you have the... Uh, FanDuel line at 227. You have the DraftKings line at 229. You have everyone and their mom going to bet overs at FanDuel. So am I surprised that FanDuel brought it back up? No. They were probably hoping DraftKings brought it back down to them, but DraftKings stayed put, so FanDuel comes back up. It is just the dichotomy of two different companies working to working against each other, but still in the exact same supply and demand market. So for this game, my best bets are Suns plus five, and I love the under 229. Boston Celtics take on the Philadelphia 76ers. I jumped in on Boston Celtics minus six and a half. So even though this uh, game is the only one that I mentioned isn't around a key number. It actually opened at a key number. It was at six and a half on one book, seven and a half on another book. I said it early in the pod. Seven is the most common outcome of NBA spreads or NBA games. So getting a uh, minus 6.5 versus minus 7.5 is a stark difference. It is much bigger than the difference between a minus 1.5 and a minus 2.5 because you know one is the 11th most common outcome, two is the eighth most common outcome versus the seven is the single most common outcome in NBA games. So these numbers start to matter more. So grabbing that 6.5 when it first dropped was like, give me that. I also grabbed the over 215 because the opening line on the total was 214 and a half and it quickly ticked up. And I was thinking in my own mind, like, how is this total that low? I mean, Embiid and Harden get to the line relentlessly and incredibly efficiently. And this Boston Celtics team just shoots like half their shots from deep and makes 40% of them. So they're just kind of a... uh, They're like that Daryl Morey trying to break the true shooting percentage rules of the NBA and just beat you with three-pointers. And it results in high-scoring games. So seeing a total come out at 214.5, I was like, okay, tick up to 215. That makes a lot of sense. Let me grab the over. Now, Joel Embiid then gets the doubtful tag. So spread moves to uh, Celtics minus 10. So I have a nice positive three and a half points of CLV there. Fantastic. That makes me really happy. Does not make me happy that Embiid's out. Let me get that very clear. I'd completely rather Embiid play and this still be at six and a half. I I prefer to watch great playoff basketball over like to win a bet because someone's injured and in pain. Uh, That's not how I go about this. Um, So even though this, the, the spread ticket looks great, my bet on the over now looks miserable. So I'm on the over 215. The total right now is at 214 and a half. Uh, so it's not as bad in the CLV department on the total as it is the spread. 
But in terms of my basketball brain, I much prefer uh, the under in this situation now. I think without Embiid, the 76ers are going to have a real difficult time scoring. I think that the... Um, I think that the uh, Boston Celtics have the defensive guards in White, Smart, Brogdon to perfectly handle even Jalen Brown, even Tatum, to perfectly deal with Maxi and Harden. And then the backline defenders' help defense is literal second to none for the Celtics in the NBA. Time Lord, Horford, whoever it is back there. Grant Williams getting absolutely no burn in this NBA playoffs. Pretty surprising to see Sam Hauser and Luke Cornett really play over Grant. I wonder if that was series-based against the Hawks and starts to change a little bit here. Like, do we see when the 76ers go with Niang? Do you start to see Grant Williams come in? If you are listening to this and you think, well, I actually think the Celtics are going to go to Grant in this series, he makes for a great DFS play. If he gets no minutes, he's either going to get 25 minutes or no minutes. So I actually lean towards no minutes. I think Missoula is done with him. I think he's a free agent at, or restricted free agent after the end of the season. And I think this will be his farewell tour in Boston. So anyways, that's going to wrap up my May 1st, May 2nd slate breakdown. Tried to go through this one pretty quickly. 20 minutes, yeah. Tried to go through it pretty quickly because I know I'm recording late. I apologize for the late start and getting this to you guys a few hours later than I normally do. I will be back on Thursday recording with Cool E for the loyal listeners who have been listening for like a year. Cool E coming back on Wednesday night to record. We'll be back on Thursday to break down all the current lines. I'm also going to run with, with Eric through some first round observations. So I was going to do it today, but because I was late and I just want to get this content out there, we'll save it for the next time. As always, peace out.